All right, open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2 as we are doing character studies on Sunday evening. And uh, we're in the second study, or uh, second or third, I can't keep track of them right now. But we're in Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 through 17. Ruth, eight, uh, Ruth 2, 8 through 17. Now Boaz speaks to Ruth. As we left off, it was in our, our first study that um, Boaz saw Ruth working in his fields and was curious about her, wanted to know about her. And so now as we begin verse 8, he speaks to Ruth. And he's going to find out some well, things that he already knew, but even find out more things as he begins to learn about this woman, Ruth. When Boaz's servant finished telling Boaz about Ruth last week in, chapter, in verses 6 through 7, Boaz went to Ruth and he talked to her. And what he heard about Ruth had impressed him. And along with her obvious attractiveness, you know, he was encouraged and excited to talk with her about special blessings that he wanted to give her. And these special blessings, which were part of Ruth's blessings for coming to Bethlehem, had to do with her, gather, with her gleaning. Now here in our text, Boaz told her where to glean, where to get water, and the safety that she was guaranteed while she was gleaning in his fields. And he's going to increase and add on to her blessings as time goes on. And it's helpful to note that telling Ruth about some of the benefits that she was going to receive for her leaving Moab, an idolatrous land, and she came mostly in, uh, those blessings were coming mostly in the form of where to go and what to do. These orders were followed by promises. And this is also a way that God works with his people. If you want blessings from God, pay attention to his commands. Pay attention to what he tells us to do. And his commands often come with promises, like Boaz's orders to Ruth, which should encourage us to obey his commands, which in turn provides blessings for us. Let's begin with verses 8 and 9 of chapter 2. And it says, And then Boaz said to Ruth, you will, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women, and let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what, uh, from what the young men have drawn. So the place for gleaning is told to Ruth in a command. There were five features in this command. Two of the commands have to do with the site, the place where she gleaned. And two commands have to do with the fellowship of the site or the place where she gleaned. One has to do with the focus, okay, focusing on the place, the site where she gleaned. Now, in biblical numerology, the number five represents grace. And this emphasizes grace being given to Ruth, recognizing the fact that grace stands out in the will of God to those who do His will. In verse 8, Boaz gave Ruth two commands. He tells her where to glean in his field, and he tells her don't go to another field to glean. Because gleaning in Boaz's field was the best for her. It would be the most productive place for her to glean. And the application here is twofold, spiritually speaking. When it comes to salvation, we mustn't go anywhere else but to Jesus. For there is no other you know, a Savior than Jesus. The fields of good works 
like church membership, reformation, or other substitutes for Christ, they don't save you. And they will leave you empty spiritually. When it comes to service, one should stick with his or her divine calling, wherever God has placed you, wherever he's called you. When difficulties come in your ministry, whatever that might be, again, it doesn't have to be in the church. Your ministry could be where you work. It could be your home, wherever God has you at the moment. When those difficulties in your ministry come, a lot of people just start looking around for an easier work to do. All right? But like, but like here, uh, um, Boaz tells Ruth, don't go to another field. Don't go to another field. Stay in the calling where God has put you because changing fields, that is the area of your call, will only make matters worse because it may be where God doesn't want you to be. God's will is the place, the best place for you. And we have to realize that. Wherever God wants me to be is the best place for me. It might be uncomfortable, inconvenient, costly, whatever it might be. But you know what? If that's where God wants me to be, that's the best place for me. Both of these commands about the field, the place where Ruth was to glean, where she was to receive some benefit for honorable behavior, they're negative commands. Don't go anywhere else. We don't like negative commands. We don't like when God says, don't do this, don't do that. Most people don't like negative commands. But these negative commands of Boaz show a truth that people need to recognize. And that is, those negative commands can be and are a source of blessing. Just as much as the positive commands are a source of blessing. The negative commands from Boaz were not meant to hurt Ruth. They weren't meant to keep her from enjoying life. They were to benefit her. You know, it's like, you know, when our kids are young and we tell them, don't go there, don't go here, don't hang out with that person. They think, man, you're trying to ruin my life. Man, you're trying to keep me from having a good time. No, as parents, we're trying to keep you from getting hurt. We've been down that road. We know what can happen. We've seen what has happened in those instances. So again, in, in reality, they're a source of blessing to protect you. And that's what, what Boaz is, is doing with Ruth here. So, again, these, these negative benefits to Ruth, they were to benefit her. They were to provide a just reward for her. They were to give her great blessings and to increase her joy. And the same is true with God. You know, don't complain about the negative commands in God's word. Don't think that the negative commands are, are joy killers for your life. Obey them, and you will gain from them many, many joyous blessings. Now, if Ruth gleaned, that is, picked grain, in the fields where Boaz told her to go, she would be able to have fellowship with the maidservants of Boaz. Now, knowing Boaz's character, his maidservants would be moral and clean-living women, and they would be providing a wholesome and helpful fellowship to Ruth. Again, we saw that about fellowship this morning in our study uh, in Philippians. But other fields, when he said don't go to the other fields, those other fields wouldn't have provided for her such good fellowship. You see, God only tells us where to, God not only tells us where to go, but he also tells us who to fellowship with. Because those are both important for our character and our growth and our relationship with the Lord. If you want God's blessing, you not only uh, need to go to where God tells you to go, but you also need to fellowship with those that God tells you to fellowship with. 
Blessings come from being with the right people as well as being in the right place. If Ruth was going to do as Boaz said and gain the blessings and the reward, okay, from gleaning in his field, she needed to keep her eyes focused on his field in case she started looking at some other fields and might be tempted to go somewhere else. That would lessen her blessing because it wouldn't be where God wanted her to be. Now, this is an important lesson about our eyes because our eyes are always looking. They're always looking. Our eyes affect the way that we walk in God's ways. What we look at has a lot to do with how it affects our walk. So we need to keep our eyes focused on the right things. Don't focus your eyes on evil or you will be tempted to leave that which is good. Now, many of God's people have focused their eyes so attentively on the garbage of this world that they've left the field where God has placed them. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 37, he says, Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. And, Psalm, uh, he, said, I, and he said, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. And then in Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 119, 37, Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. And then he said, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Then in my eyes are ever toward the Lord in Psalm 25, 15. And so we see the counsel coming from the Lord, you know, his wisdom. And again, about, you know, look, just, you know, focusing our eyes on things that are good for us, things that are healthy for us, spiritually speaking. Look at verse 9. And he goes on to say, Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, And go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So Boaz promised her water when she worked up a thirst from gleaning. And water and food were important for gleaning and especially water. Because working in the hot fields makes you sweat profusely. profusely. And so your water intake needs to be uh, replenished regularly. So Boaz assures Ruth that you will, Ruth, you'll have water whenever you need it if you stay and glean in my fields. He promised Ruth that if she gleaned in his fields, her thirst would always be quenched. I'm sorry, satisfied. He would, he would satisfy her thirst. The promise of water would encourage Ruth to obey the command not to go glean in another field. And this is another good example of the fact that, God, that, that, that God's promises are an encouragement to obey His principles, His precepts and standards. Gleaners didn't have access to water from the well for the reapers because gleaners didn't have the privileges that the reapers had. But Boaz raised Ruth's status by including her with the reapers in the privilege of the water. And he told Ruth, whenever you're thirsty, Ruth, Now, the words, whenever you are thirsty, means Ruth had the liberty to get a drink whenever she wanted to. Ruth's decision to leave Moab and come to Bethlehem lifted her up out of humbling circumstances. But out of those humbling circumstances, honor comes to the humble, the Bible says. And Ruth is now honored with privilege, which is just a foretaste, a sample of even more privilege, privilege to come for her decision to live Moab, leave Moab and to go to Bethlehem. Now, in providing this water for Ruth, Boaz is a type of Jesus. He's a type of Christ, who he is the water of life for the soul. As Boaz promised Ruth water to quench her physical thirst, 
Jesus promises those who will come to him will satisfy their spiritual thirst. For example, Jesus told the crowds in Jerusalem, he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. John 7, 37. In John 4, 14, Jesus told the woman at the well, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So spiritual thirst will be satisfied forever by Jesus. But you see, when one goes to the fields of the world, they won't have that thirst quenched by the things of the world. And in eternity, he'll cry out like the rich man did in Luke 16, 24. Because he asked for someone to come and to dip the tip of his finger in water and, and cool my tongue because he says, I am tormented in this flame. Jesus said to the woman of the well, whoever drinks of this water that is from this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. You see, Boaz also promised Ruth safety if she worked in his fields. Boaz wouldn't have any woman raped in his fields or other immoral behavior going on in his fields. So he ordered his keepers. He told his keepers, you keep your hands off of Ruth who was obviously an attractive woman. If Ruth had any fears about, about being safe while working in Boaz's field, or she had any other safety concerns, Boaz removed them. He says, if you stay here, you will be safe. I will take care of you. Just work in my fields. So safety and the removal of all fear is also promised to those who come to Jesus, who Boaz is a type of here. Genesis 28, 15, we read, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, God says. We also read in Isaiah 41, 10, Have no fear, for I am with you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the promise that we have from God. That He'll always be with us. He'll keep us wherever we go. Just as Boaz did to Ruth. When Boaz told Ruth about the kindness that she would receive from him, he also reassured her it would benefit her. It would be to your advantage, Ruth, if you stayed here and worked in my fields. Look at verse 10. So after Boaz tells her about these promises and these things that, that he would do for her and give her if she stayed in his field, this is what she says in verse 10. It says, She fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Boaz's great show of kindness to Ruth blew her away. She couldn't understand it. She didn't understand why. She was surprised and amazed. Why me, Boaz? Why are you showing me all of this kindness? And so the way she reacted to his kindness shows that she felt she wasn't worthy to receive all of this kindness from him. So she needed reassurance that what Boaz promised her was really for her. And so it says that she, she, show, she, she, she bows herself to the ground. She needs to be reassured. This very humble behavior shows that she feels she's very unworthy of his kindness. It's the same thing that Peter did after the great miracle that Jesus performed of Peter catching a great catch of fish. In Luke 5, 5, 8, it says, When Peter saw it, when he caught all of these fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
And you know, we should do the same as Ruth and Peter. Bowing down before the Lord, recognizing our unworthiness. Bowing not only shows us our humble recognition that we aren't worth, uh, we're not worth, uh, worthy of His divine blessings, that none of us are worthy of His blessings, but it shows, that, that, that it shows our appreciation for the blessings. But Ruth, again, she's puzzled. She's wondering, why me? She says, what have I done to deserve such kindness? What have I done to deserve this grace? I'm only a foreigner. I'm a stranger in the land. Ruth did see that the main reason for the favors toward her was grace. But she felt so unworthy, so undeserving. She didn't think that she should be given such grace. It was a gracious attitude that she had. And it was, it's a gracious attitude that we should all have before God. It was the same attitude that Jacob showed before God when he said, I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me, your servant, Genesis 32.10. Ruth said, I'm a stranger, Boaz. I'm a foreigner in your land. You see, she was focusing on the fact that she was a foreigner. She was focusing on her race. I'm a Moabite. That made her a stranger in Israel with no rights to claim. The blessings of God were decreed only for Israel. Not only that, Ruth knew the moral degradation of the Moabites. And she left being a Moabite. Being one of them surely made her unworthy for anything, any favors from Boaz. A lot of sinners have the same attitude about salvation that Ruth had about receiving Boaz's favor. No matter, that, no matter that she was a Moabite by race, God saves sinners no matter what their sin, no matter who they are. Ruth's great concern, her show of great concern about her worthiness to receive favors from Boaz was followed by Boaz giving her a lot of reassurance about her receiving the reward of kindness and the favor from him. Boaz first tried to reassure her by praising her for her excellent move in coming to Bethlehem. And his praise of her showed that Ruth had this favor coming to her because she made some self-sacrificing decisions and she conducted herself in a self-sacrificing way. And, and to Boaz, that, that, that deserved rewarding. And one of the reasons that she deserved to be rewarded was because of her care of a Jew, Naomi. Look at verse 11. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and you have come to a people whom you did not know before. Now Ruth may have been a foreigner, but man, she has shown a lot of great care for a Jew. Her mother-in-law Naomi. Ruth didn't come to Bethlehem to, have, to, to go on an adventure. She didn't go to Bethlehem to, to go sightseeing because she'd never been there before. She came to Bethlehem to help Naomi because Naomi needed help. And right when she needed help, Naomi jumped in. She helped Naomi by going, volunteering to go into the harvest fields and to glean grain for Naomi so that Naomi and her might have some food because she didn't have any. Ruth's great concern and care of Naomi would also cover many other areas. And this great care of Ruth was seen by many and especially by Boaz. 
This kind of care is to be rewarded, is to be blessed, and it encouraged Boaz to give Ruth special attention. Ruth had left Moab to come to Judah. It says she left her relatives and especially her parents. Now, that's not an easy thing to do. But you see, you won't do much for God if family ties come before God. I know a lot of people cringe when that's, when that's said. Abraham, and God asked Abraham to leave his relatives, to leave his country. To go to a place that God would show them, show him. But again, not an easy thing to do. God wanted him to go to Canaan to move away. And God wanted the same thing, and that's what Ruth did. The principle here was stated by Jesus when he said in Matthew 10, 37, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your, your, your son, your daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. Now, understand, Jesus is not telling us to neglect our family responsibilities, but to give priority to God. To give priority to God. And that's the hard, hard part because sometimes God does do that. And I remember when uh, the, one of the, I think it was one or, or the second of the several times that I went to South America, you know, Kathy had just had breast cancer surgery and they removed the lump. And she was just out of the hospital. But my trip to South America had already been planned and everything had been, you know, taking care of the finance and all that to go to South America. And I struggled and I said, Lord, I says, you know, Kathy's just, you know, out of cancer uh, surgery. I said, I can't go. And, you know, and I, you know, I was at Golden Springs and I talked to Pastor Raw and Pastor Dale and they said, Joe, you know, if you need to go, you can go. But the Lord said, you know, he just, and then Kathy said, Joe, you need to go. You need to go. So I'll be okay. And so, you know, we, we, we struggled and we prayed and, you know, and I went. But those are the difficult times that sometimes you go, oh, man, you know, you, you Satan starts saying, oh, man, what kind of husband are you? What kind of, all of these things. And, and, and the, the Lord just, hey, everything's going to be okay. And I had her blessing and, and you know, and I went. And there are, there are times throughout ministry when, when things like that happen. And, you know, it's just, it's difficult, but you know what? Everybody got blessed out of it. Because when, when you give in to the will of God and, and you just submit, and God shows you things and he teaches you things. You know, Jesus, like I said, is not telling us to ne- neglect our family responsibilities, but you know what? To give priority to God. Look at verse 22 now. I'm sorry, verse 12. I know it's here in my Bible. Okay, here it is. <laughs> here it is. <clears throat> the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Ruth had forsaken the heathen gods of Moab, her homeland. Not just physically did she forsake those God, heathen gods, but more importantly, she left them theologically. No decision by Ruth was as great and wise and honorable as this one. This took faith on her part. And her faith resulted in her leaving her relatives, leaving her religion, and coming to Judah and taking care of Naomi. So it wasn't works, but it was faith. Faith was the reason that she was so blessed, like it is with salvation. 
Her confidence in God was the greatest reasoning for the kindness of Boaz. And her faith was obvious to others, and Boaz recognized it as well. The people of Bethlehem, they knew about Ruth's faith because she lived it. It was so obvious before others. And you know, that's a lesson for all of us. We can tell people we have faith. We can talk about it all day long. But do they see that faith? And we, It's easy to say, I have faith. But do we live it? That's, that's, the, that's the evidence of faith. Do I live it? Like Ruth did, so obvious before others. And Boaz saw it. And Boaz, Boaz concluded uh, that he would, he, he said, you know what? He, he would assure her, praying for her future. In verse 12, notice he says, May the Lord, the God of Israel, reward you fully for what you have done. Boaz would be the one that would be the source of her present and future blessings. Now, if you pray to God for, to bless others, don't be surprised if God asks you to give of yourself. You know, so many times people say, oh, you know what, this person needs this and this person, you know, this person came to me. Well, you know what, God brought them to you. Why are you bringing it to me? You know, God does that. You know, if you pray for God to bless others, God may ask you to give of yourself, to give your time, to give of your substance to bless others. And sometimes God will bless you in order to bless others. And then I've, you've probably heard this story several times, but I love telling it because I love what God does. You know, when I was at Golden Springs, you know, Raul would, you know, say, there's going to be pastors in the back, you know, if you need prayer, go back there and, and, and you know, they'll pray with you. And so I had this young girl come up and she had a, a little child with her. And she said, Pastor, she says, um, you know, I, I need to pray that, you know, God will provide my rent for me this month. And I said, you know, when's it due? And she told me it's at the end of the month, so it was still early in the week. So I said, okay, let's pray. And, you know, we prayed for God to provide for her, and, you know, it all was wonderful. And, you know, I went away feeling good because, you know, we prayed, and we're going to see, you know, Lord willing, God will, will bless her. About a week later, somebody comes up and says to me, Pastor Joe, God spoke to me. I don't know why, but he gave me, he wants me to give you $500. Wow, what a blessing. I was already picturing what I was going to buy. <laughs> I got this. Lord, you just blessed me beyond measure. Part I forgot to tell you, she said, yeah, I need $500 for my rent. And when she told me, again, you know, when, the, I, when the guy said, hey, I, do what you want with it, I don't know. God just said, he wants me to give it to you. I started, I, I thought, oh, man, I thought about this girl. Oh, Lord, you, no, you didn't give it to me so I could give it to her, did you? As you know, selfish man, selfish man. But as I saw, there was no way. I didn't need it. There was nothing, you know, it was like if I had an outstanding bill or a debt or something. I said, oh, Lord, you know, you provided for that. No, I didn't need it. She said, he, he's, that girl needs it. Oh, man, are you sure, Lord? You know, it's hard to let go, you know, money a lot of times. But that's the battle with it. That's why the Bible says it's a root of all evil. And God just finally gave me that piece. I thought, I was, I was, you know, and so I said, hey, God blessed this money here. You know, I didn't, I didn't tell her it was for me. I just said, hey, God provided this money for you. And, you know, I was so, I was more joyous, I know, than if I would have went out and bought me something with it. 
But like I said, God will bless you sometimes because he wants to bless us. See, because I had the connection to that girl. Who had that other connection beside God? And so he provided for her by giving it to me so I could pass it on to her. And so, you know, we need to be sensitive to those. We need to pray about those things. Look, up, look for those things. Now look at verse 13. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. So Ruth expresses her, uh, her appreciation for what Boaz has done for her. You see, when, when grace is offered to us, we need to seek more of God's grace. And that's what Ruth did here. Because when Boaz spoke about favors for her, she earnestly asked him for more grace. And even though Boaz had given the reason for his grace toward her, she sought more, more grace, more blessing, based on his grace, not based on her worthiness. I'm worth you blessing me more. We should do the same thing. You know, it doesn't matter or it doesn't make any difference how admired and praised we are. We still need to seek blessing from God on the basis of his grace, not on the basis of any merit on my behalf. If we seek blessing because we think we deserve it, it's going to be small. But God's grace, man, God's grace is huge in size. Ruth's seeking of grace from Boaz came with thankfulness. And if we're not thankful for our blessings, they will be cut short. Thanklessness doesn't increase our blessings. It decreases our blessings. And even though Boaz praised her, she didn't get all puffed up, big head, prideful. Because, you know, seeking more blessings, her blessings were, she sought them in humility. And this is evidence that she still esteemed others higher than herself. Verse 14. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat, sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain or roasted grain to her and she ate and she was satisfied and she kept some back. So the blessing that she receives here was food. Boaz invites Ruth to sit with them and eat with them, to have a meal with them. Boaz is a type of Jesus here in his inviting others to come and eat. The next blessing was to come and sit with Boaz and the reapers. Gleaners didn't have that status. They didn't have the privilege like the reapers had. But Boaz gave her that status. So here she was sitting at a meal with Boaz and the reapers. Ruth had taken the place that was lower than the maid, maidens of Boaz, and now look at she's being exalted above them. And then he hands Ruth a piece of bread and some sour wine or vinegar. The bread wasn't the nice soft bread like we eat today. It was hard and dark. The sour wine was more of a sauce that the bread was dipped in. The grain, it says here, parched. That means it was roasted, and then it, it was roasted grain, and it was eaten. It was a favorite, though, all over the country. So Boaz was, was being treated to, I'm sorry, Ruth was being treated to a fine meal in that day. Something, it was something much more than a gleaner would normally eat. And verse 14 says that Boaz satisfied Ruth's appetite. She didn't leave the table hungry, just like those who eat at the Lord's table. This was demonstrated in Jesus' earthly ministry. 
Jesus repeatedly filled people with bread. In Matthew 14, 20, it says, So they all ate and were filled. Luke, 15, uh, Luke 1, 53, it says, He has filled the hungry with good things. In John 6, 26, it says, you, Jesus said, You ate of the loaves and were filled. That word fill means to fill to the full. It means to fill till you can't take in anymore. I mean, they were filled to the full. They couldn't eat anymore. They didn't leave the table empty. All of these verses emphasize the truth that Jesus satisfies like no one else satisfies and like nothing else can satisfy. Men have tried all kinds of things that this world has to offer, but they fail to fill the heart. They fail to satisfy in the, in the sense that I don't want any more of this world. I got everything I need, everything that satisfies my soul. In the world, they still leave empty. They still leave hungry. But Jesus fills the heart and he satisfies the heart. And we also learn that after Ruth ate, she still had food left over. It says she kept some back. She wasn't only filled to the full, she had some left over. She didn't let it go to waste. It says she kept some back. She took it home and she shared it with Naomi according to verse 18. Boaz's generosity, giving her extra food, showed his love for Ruth. But that's what love does, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Verses 15 and 16. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it there. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So Boaz wanted to help Ruth get even more, you know, out of her gleaning experience. So he orders his reapers. He says, hey, you let Ruth glean by the sheaves and also let her take extra stalks of grain that, uh, let them fall purposely on the ground just for her. You know, only God does stuff like that. Gleaning by the sheaves would be very productive for Ruth because it was the place where the stalks of grain were put into bundles. And in the process of making those bundles, some of those stalks would often fall off and onto the ground. And Ruth was allowed to gather those stalks of grain. And know what? God is still doing this for his people today. God gives us extra in our duty to help and to encourage us. When we do it, you know, what we do, he gives it to us as an extra gift. It may come from help, um, from a friend. It may come from a supporter. It might come from someone who volunteers to, to give free help when needed. Or it's some other favor that comes to us from, you know, to make our duty more, more fruitful. When these blessings come, we need to thank God for them. And we need to work harder because of them. And it's helpful again to note that each of these two generous, uh, to, to note each of these two generous favors. Number one, he said, let her glean among the sheaves. And secondly, let some of the sheaves fall in purpose, fall on purpose. They came with an exhortation by Boaz. Now, don't criticize her or condemn her when she picks them up. Leave her alone. You know, when she's gleaning for the extra gain, because oh, Boaz allowed her to do that. He gave the permission. Do not reproach her means do not taunt her. Do not insult her. 
Do not rebuke her means don't scold her for what she's doing. Because these orders were given uh, to the gleaners by Boaz. Now, normally, the people that were gleaning weren't allowed to do this. They weren't allowed to glean from around the sheaves when the stalks fell on the ground because those belonged to the farmer who owned the field. To glean around the sheaves was trespassing on what belonged to the owner. But Ruth is given permission to glean there, to pick up those stalks. Also, the extra stalks of grain left for Ruth could bring a rebuke because many of the, the farmers in that day, they were stingy. And, and, and only a gleaner was allowed to pick up the stalks of grain at, at the most in one place. So if three or more stalks were lined together, the gleaner could only take two. The gleaner had to leave the third stalk for the farmer. So with the extra stock for, left for Ruth, it would be even, you know, it would be times when, there would be times when there was more than two stalks of grain that would be together. So Boaz tells his man basically to leave her alone. Don't hassle her. I've given her the okay to do that. Boaz showed a lot of wisdom here in the favors that he gave Ruth in the field. You see, he could have just given Ruth a sack of grain and told her, hey, you don't have to work anymore. Just go home. Kick back. But you see, that wouldn't have helped her character. Boaz did things for her that wouldn't hurt her character. Because this kindness didn't come without work attached to it. Ruth's hard work was the reason that she received these blessings. This was proof of her excellent character. Character is always made known by by how somebody reacts to blessings. And after Ruth sat, and after she ate and was filled, it says she got up to glean in verses 14 through 15. She didn't just kick back and, you know, get a little piece of straw and pick her teeth and just, you know, hey, this was wonderful. It says she got up and she went back to work. She went back to the field right away to do some more gleaning. Look at verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. So Ruth used her special gleaning privileges that Boaz allowed her to, to, to to have to accomplish more. And it says here she worked a long time. She took full advantage of her special privileges. Ruth not only took advantage of her special privileges uh, to do more and to get more, but it says she also worked a long time. And she also worked hard. Because it says, notice, she beat out what she had gleaned. Now, she only did, you know, she just didn't take the grain and store it. She had to thresh the grain. Or the grain. Threshing was hard work. But again, that's what it takes if you're going to profit from the blessings and the advantages you're given. You know, threshing is made possible by gleaning. If she hadn't have gleaned, she'd have nothing to thresh. Now, if she doesn't thresh what she gleaned, she doesn't have anything to eat. When you come to the end of the day, do you have anything to thresh? Or has your day been wasted? Threshing finishes the job. Again, it's not enough to just glean. You have to thresh what you have gleaned, which is the grain, if the gleaning is going to be of any good. Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 12, 27 says, speaking about lazy people, lazy people don't even cook the game that they catch. Now, what good is that? You go hunting, you catch something, but you don't eat it. James 1, 22 
same kind of idea with the Word of God. Don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. In other words, don't be lazy. Do a thorough job. It says, Ruth gleaned about an ephah of barley. That's nearly a bushel of grain on that first day, which is about 20 to 25 pounds. That was a pretty productive day for Ruth. But you see, when you work hard and you work long, you'll be productive. That's what you can expect. Some people want easier jobs and shorter hours, but then they come up short in the end. They don't accomplish much. With a large amount of grain that Ruth collected on that first day in the field, hey, she, should, she could take enough home for her and Ruth to, to last for several days. The large amount that she gleaned on that first day is an encouraging sign for all of us to keep at it. Stay at it, even though it's just a stalk of grain at a time. Little by little, Ruth gathered the grain. But you see, if you stick to it long enough, the results will be, will be fruitful. They will be large and rewarding and satisfying. A lot of people fail in this area. Because it's a, there's an attitude that unless they make big money or get big results right away, they won't take a job. They don't realize that though they make small money or have small results, they will make big money and have big results in the end if they stick with it faithfully. It takes more discipline and character to stick with it when the results are small. But steadfastness, it will pay off well in due time. And it will be rewarded with special advantages, just like Ruth found out, in the blessings that she received from Boaz. Proverbs 22, 20, uh, 22, 13 says, The lazy person claims there's a lion out there if I go outside. I might be killed. You know, due to the man's laziness that, in this proverb, he has an unwillingness to be productive. So what does he do? He makes all kinds of excuses. And he suggests that, this, that, that there's difficulty out there. There's danger out there. I might get killed. Now, here's the man that uses the excuse, there's a lion in the street, which shows the foolishness and the weakness of his excuses. Because lions don't usually walk around the city's streets. They're found in the woods and in the mountains. But again, it shows the ridiculousness of our excuses. So in closing, never despise, as the Bible says, the day of small things. Because God is glorified in small things. God uses many small things to accomplish great things. We read where an enemy of God was killed with a tent peg. David killed Goliath, the giant, with a sling and small stones. Samson killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Elijah prayed for rain, and off in the distance he saw a small cloud about the size of a man's hand. It appeared in the sky, but it brought great and heavy rains. You see, Bible history is the record of God using small things. So don't worry if you feel small in whatever way. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Father, we thank you so much for your word. and Father, we thank you for the lessons that it has for us, God. And Lord, help us, help us, God, to, to follow, to go, where you, to go where you send us, God. 
and to come when you call us, Father. And Lord, let, let us be, let us rejoice, God, in the place that you, where you place us, God, wherever you put us, Lord, because I know that's the best place for me to be because you don't make mistakes, you don't do things randomly, but in your infinite wisdom, you know what's best for me. And help me to remember that and help me to submit under your hand, God. Because I know that will be the best thing for me, the best place for me. And so, Lord, teach us that lesson, God. Lord, we are unworthy, we are undeserving. But, Lord, you are gracious and you are abundant in the blessings that you give us. Your word says that you heap upon us blessings daily, every day, God. And, Lord, you use the, the ordinary things, ordinary people to ex do extraordinary things, God. We thank you so much, Lord, for your wisdom and for your standards, God, and how you, how you move among us and how you use us, Lord. So, Father, bless my brothers and sisters this evening as they go their way and protect them on their way home, God. And, Lord, uh, we look forward to meeting again next week, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. When